High Tech Buzzers. As always, we hope you're healthy and safe. Amidst this continued global pandemic and during this particularly chilly time in the U.S.-China relationship, our thoughts go out to those of you who have been personally affected, as many of our friends have. Please stay well and take care of yourselves. Meanwhile, in line with our summer of experimental episodes, today's segment consists of a lightly edited version of a webinar that we hosted last month, which we had originally curated for investors only, but actually left open to all audiences. In it, we have speaker Mu Chen, the CEO of data intelligence firm Big One Lab, sharing some of his thoughtful analysis around data on digital and consumption trends in China post-COVID. Well, as post-COVID as it gets these days, with the risk of new outbreaks at any given time. Have a listen and send us your feedback. That's right. Please write to us at rui at techbuzzchina.com or ying at techbuzzchina.com and let us know what you think. Note that all of these recent episodes, including any sections that we edit out, which is sometimes a lot, can also be found on YouTube. And at our website above, you can sign up to be on our mailing list, subscribe to our paid Extra Buzz newsletter, or just generally keep tabs on our ventures beyond podcasting. For example, as you may know, we're working on an ebook on the most talked about Chinese internet company this year, ByteDance, owner of TikTok. In addition to our regular Extra Buzz newsletter installments, We've actually been publishing regular content on the company, including translations of CEO Zhang Yiming's interviews, and most recently, a presentation from Kelly Zhangnan, ByteDance's China CEO, on how Douyin, aka TikTok in China, got started. It's a really interesting story. I mean, did you know that early creators helped co-create features and campaigns that made the app successful? Read these gems and our commentary on them by signing up for our weekly newsletter. Absolutely, go do that. But for now, are you ready to hear about how China's economic recovery has gone? We'll cover sectors such as delivery, recruitment, logistics, travel, online spending, and gaming. Let's go. The president's key economic team goes to China. Uh, after whole night banking, I say I still want to do it. <laughs> Hi everyone! We are Tech Buzz China by Pan Daily, powered by the Seneca Podcast Network by Sub China. We are a biweekly podcast focused on giving you a peek into what's buzzing within the tech community in China. We uncover and contextualize unique insights, perspectives, and takeaways on headline tech news that don't always make it into English language coverage. So you can be smarter about the world of China tech. Tech Buzz China is a part of Pandaily.com, an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Ying Lu, and I'm your other co-host, Rayma. 
We're a part of the Seneca Podcast Network, created by SubChina. In addition to Tech Buzz, you can also find Seneca, which covers current affairs. And we're also proud to be partnered with Financial Times' Tech Scroll Asia, a newsletter on Asia tech news from one of the best publications in the business. Go to ft.com/tech-scroll-asia to sign up today. And as always, we are still looking for more reviews on Apple Podcasts. Send either of us a screenshot of your review, and we will gift you a free three-month subscription to our Extra Buzz newsletter. Just email me at ying at techbuzzchina.com. Several of you have already claimed this, and we love it when you do. Thanks so much. Hi everyone! Uh, thanks for joining.、Uh, my name is Mu Chen. I'm the founder and the CEO of Biguan Lab. Today I'm sharing、um, a deck of、uh, Biguan Lab, which we prepare for some of our clients. Actually,、uh, that tracks、uh, that starts tracking, you know,、uh, the impact of COVID-19 and post-COVID-19 since February, and、uh, it's been, you know.、Um, It's been used or read or subscribed by many of the leading, you know,、uh, private equities and venture capitals、uh, across the globe to understand what's going on、um, in China.、Uh, so before I sh-、uh, share the content,、uh, just some brief introduction about our firm.、Um, so we are a alternative data firms that、uh, that's based in Beijing. Our goal is to build a intelligence gateway for China. As we realize, there's a lack of such gateways when it comes to understanding the economic activities and the financial activities in China. So a little bit about our team.、Uh, I used to work in the U.S.、Uh, a couple years, a few years of banking, and then、uh, switch from the evil side to the、uh, bright side、uh, to startup.、Uh, I joined a startup in New York uh, uh, called Epidata, and、uh, spent a couple years there. To build product, basically data trackers of public companies、uh, listed in the U.S.、Uh, and then provide the data to U.S. investors. And that's when I realized you know, data has been growing in China due to the penetration of internet into the economy. And I came back to、uh, apply certain you know different methodology to collect the data. You know,、uh, analyze the data, prioritize the data, and make it into a easier to digest. And most of our teams are、uh, tech people. A lot of data has been generated, different types of data. So far, we have covered、uh, discovered about twenty types of raw data that can be used for research and analysis. And we build our algorithm on top of those raw data and turn that into you know different kind of、uh, metrics. And our research team. So today、uh, we are sharing, you know, trackers or or sharing data to help you shed some light into the impact of COVID nineteen.、Um, this is being a popular data set being subscribed by our clients、uh, because one, it helps you understand what's going on in China, and two,、um, actually it it can be used as a reference. Um, for what would happen in the U.S. The,、uh, economic-wise,、uh, especially during the the initial period of the outbreak, I prepare 
four parts. First part is the basically Meituan versus Erlama. This will shed light into one, the food delivery service. And second is, you know, general consumption and local business. And second part is the job market. Uh, we are tracking, you know, the recruiting for different firms across four or five of the largest online recruiting job sites in China. Logistic and travel would speak to the underlying, you know, um, economic activities. And lastly, I will compare, you know, the offline consumptions versus the online consumptions. Generally, the takeaway or the observation is that things are back to, you know, active level is back to, I would say, 80%, 90% of pre-outbreak. However, we are seeing um, some structural, permanent or longer-term structural impact of the outbreak in different sectors. People are buying different things. People are buying things differently. People are going online to play more games, watch more videos, and this is a structural or permanent change on their behavior. So first of all, I'm going to start with the uh, O2O uh, trackers. You know, this is chart is uh, based on our data that's tracking made by Olama. Our trackers covers about two to three million restaurants and convenience stores, flower shops. So all the local businesses that are, you know, providing delivery service. Actually, the types of merchant are more diversified than, you know, we thought. Right. Uh, when I was in the U.S., I usually use mainly for food deliveries. In China, the delivery service, online delivery service, covers a broader set of uh, business. From the uh, two to three million data points that we tracked on a bi-monthly basis, or, or half, we we saw we can see you know who are open, who are uh, providing services, and uh, uh, because we have the merchant by merchant data points, we can cut it into different key of city. So general trend we see here is that during the outbreak, uh, where it takes about uh, a month and a half, uh, businesses were shut down um, to about 10 to 20 percent of the local business. So the merchants and the restaurants uh, have, you know, uh, shut down. Uh, or, or take them off, take themselves off from uh, online deliveries. And then slowly recover. It takes about uh, a month and a half to recover to a um, 70 to 80 percent level, and it plateau. The takeaway here is that we saw 20 percent of the restaurants, same stores, actually have shut down permanently during the pandemic. So that's the first, you know, structural changes. This outbreak actually has, you know, tested this strength resilience of these stores, and basically, you know, wash out a lot of stores. And we actually saw that another 20%, 30% of the new stores have joined the platform. So net-net, actually more businesses are doing uh, deliveries, so one like running online deliveries nowadays, post-outbreak. And this is another, you know, uh, uh, slide showing the landscape you know, between uh, all the di- competition dynamics between Erlama and uh, Meituan. Uh, generally, Erlama has strengths in the coastal area as well as uh, select uh, provinces like uh, Heilongjiang, the blue areas, uh, the more shared Erlama uh, has, and the uh, more o- yellow or orange is the uh, more shared, uh, the more shared for Meituan. 
market shares has fluctuated during the COVID-19, but Meituan has actually gained 1% of market share during the outbreak. Uh, that's mainly because, you know, Meituan has a broader, uh, penetration, you know, uh, across the different, uh, tier of city. It may have gained shares in, uh, the tier of city, the types of city that, uh, Alama is weaker. So, Generally, the takeaway for this part is that there's a structural change in the, uh, I would say local business. Um, uh, we didn't show that, that later slides, but, uh, basically 20% of the local store has been, I would say, washed up and, um, actually additional 30% are forced, workforce maybe, uh, maybe were forced to, uh, get on the, uh, online deliveries. And uh, my personal you know, experience is that some of the restaurants that I like that are you know, more high-end uh, were not doing uh, deliveries because they don't want to or they don't have to. But during the outbreak, they were forced to get on it. Now I can you know, order foods or deliveries from those you know, high-end restaurants. So that represents an additional 30% uh, restaurant that were never on the platforms. Um, and they now join the platform. So we may observe that structural change where, you know, uh, O2O or online deliveries increase penetration into uh, local business. Uh, we may observe that, you know, in the U.S. as well. And in terms of job markets, it's a good indicators of the entire economic health. It basically gives you a kind of time series tracking of what's going on economic-wide in terms of time series tracking of the economic activities during the outbreak on a very high-level point of view. This chart, we show the time series for, you know, job recruiting, job, new job postings uh, in some of the main provinces in China, Guangdong, Hubei, Jiangsu, Shandong, and Zhejiang, as well as benchmarking them against national wide level. You can see that actually most of the you know Guangdong, you know, Guangdong and uh Jiangsu, some uh Shandong the manufacturer big provinces are uh, back to their recruiting level are back to you know pre outbreak level. So uh things are actually recovering the economic activity, the manufacturing activity. It's manufacturers and uh, employers are expecting a a recovering and healthy recovery uh, post the outbreak. So they, it actually shows a sentiment for a strong sentiment uh, or confidence uh, from the employers. And if we break down by industry, uh, again, this is a good indicator for employer sentiments. Right? We can see that hospitalities, you know, hotels, tourist agencies, uh, travel agencies, they are uh, hiring less. Uh, they are recruiting Activities have not recovered back to you know pre-COVID level, um, and the you know, industrial manufacturer, which is a call for China's economic activities, is one of the few sectors that have fully recovered uh, in terms of recruiting and in terms of employer uh, sentiment. Most of sectors are back to about eighty above eighty percent level uh, in terms of recruiting numbers. And so that's a healthy, you know, indicators.
Next one, we'll, we'll look at the logistic and travel. Logistic basically is a good indicator for, I would say, the employer sentiment. Kind of the supply side uh, measurements. And uh, the partial volume or logistic uh, is kind of the transaction side or the, vo- uh, the, the demand side indicator. We actually are glad to see that, you know, even though during the COVID-19 uh, outbreak, you know, partials, uh, volumes, down or down by you know, almost 90%, but we see a V-shaped recovery in terms of the partial volume, uh, and uh, now we bound to you know um, 90 around 90% during April, and we're back to normal um, actually after the 618 shopping festivals. Right, 618 is kind of the Black Friday. One of the Black Fridays, uh, we actually have two Black Fridays. One is the double eleven, one is the 618. And, uh, it uh, actually led to a recovery of the consumers, uh, activities. Another, you know, the indicator we're tracking is travel. It's been very much impacted by the outbreak. Uh, we can see that, you know, international travels and, uh, domestic international travels for China, from China. And that's indicated by our outbound and domestic bound, uh, flights tracking. And you can see domestics has recovered to a 50% uh, level, but international, uh, so outbound international flights had, are still at, you know, low percentage, uh, compared to pre-COVID-19. People are not traveling. Uh, another indicator is Macau. Usually when outbound traveling are going, many in Macau and uh, Hong Kong, of course, are one of the few first destinations for overseas traveling. You see that Macau is still very flat and low in terms of their business uh, visit count. So here I would like to highlight how we get the data. Right. So, so the flight trackings, uh, we got it from public App and web where you know um, we can see the the or seat map for different flights and our you know uh, system will go on to the app or the website to track the seat map how many seats has been taken right before the flight has taken off right and then we calculate the occupancy rate for Macau we are using uh, GPS trackers GPS data to count the uh, food traffic in and out from uh, all the casinos in uh, Macau. Uh, that's a technology that, you know, has been developed by the map providers, like, you know, Baidu Maps, uh, Gauda Maps, Tencent Maps, um, as well as, you know, third-party data tracking, like uh, talking data. They also track uh, minutes-by-minutes GPS location of different mobile devices, and we use that to proxy the food traffic or the location of different individuals. A quick note here for our audience on the podcast. Mu, you were introduced to us by Min Dai, who is currently the Alliance Director at Talking Data, and we're really grateful. He had mentioned that you work together closely, and he planned to be with us on this call tonight, but the Talking Data exec team is traveling in Wuhan on urgent business. They're following a recent uptick in demand from local governments for digital transformation and data-driven city governance, which is a relevant observation for today's topic. Anyways, Moo, please do continue. I think we're now on online consumption data. Lastly, I'd like to share a little bit uh, about comparing it uh, our data against you know online offline data. Right. So here we check the online sales 
uh, numbers of different products on uh, Tmall, JD, and uh, Taobao. And uh, we are continuously tracking almost 100 million products. They are price, they are uh, units sold, and uh, they are, you know, uh, sales, right, for the individual products. And um, we're aggregated by category and by brand. Uh, so this is a good uh, indicator of the online consumption behavior for, you know, Chinese consumers. And by observing the, we call it GMV by category, it gives us a lot of insights. So first of all, on a, on a high level, we can see that online consumptions uh, has recovered back to, you know, um, normal level, right? You can see on the purple line, that's the year-on-year growth of gross merchandise volume, GMVs, for online consumptions. Uh, actually, the growth uh, has, you know, exceeded last year's level. That means online consumptions are growing despite the outbreak, uh, which, you know, um, is not surprising. Basically, actually, it, it confirms our, our hypothesis that now uh, due to the, you know, social distancing and, uh lockdown policies, people have to, and they are actually, they are uh, buying more online and actually boosted the growth of uh, online e-commerce. But who are, what are driving the growth? Are, they, are people just buying the same thing more or they are buying different things? That's where our you know consumption data, our category data come into play, right? So we break down our data by uh, the GMV data by category and see, you know, their trends. And here, the general takeaway is that despite, you know, the rapid growth for online e-commerce purchase, actually different category has different performance. Overall, a general takeaway we have is there's a structural change on consumers' behavior, right, online consumers' behavior. Uh, what we see is that food and beverage is growing at a rapid speed and the sports and health, home and decoration, home applications and computers and office are also growing, you know, at a higher speed. However, you know, the more outdoor related consumptions are, are growing less. Actually, uh, some of them are not growing, uh, are, are shrinking. The takeaway is people are buying more stuff. There's a structural impact of the outbreak on consumers' behavior, right? Most of us, uh, out of the you know uh, the outbreak, we are doing our normal you know activities, daily activity. However, our consumer patterns are, are are different. People are buying more in-house related stuff. They are cooking more in-house. They are you know actually uh, decorating their uh, homes. They are buying more appliances at how at home. And somehow social distancing has a um, more Permanently impact, perpetual impact than, than, than we thought, right? So they are not expecting to go out uh, as much. Clothing, jewelries are all you know, uh, outdoor related uh, stuff. That's an interesting you know observation, and we are actually curious to see you know what would continue. <music> Lastly, I'll share you know the. A uh, more micro view of you know consumer behavior, right? So the, here is a day tracking of uh, Hai Di Lao, which is the uh, largest hot pot franchise in China. It basically represents the 
uh, health of offline consumption. Many shopping malls would recruit highly loud to open shop at their shopping mall to draw more uh, consumer traffic. So the health of Heidi Lao basically it has a direct relationship to the food traffic and the health of different shopping malls in China. We can see that the takeaway here is that you know uh, on the left side is the operating uh, number of Heidi Lao. So uh, what are what, what stores are open? How many stores are opening? Uh, have opened? Uh, we can see that it's basically back to normal. However, on the right side, which is the peak queue index. So what does that mean is that uh, we're tracking the highest queuing number uh, for Heidi Lao on average nationwide. The number actually has not back to pre-outbreak uh, level. Uh, Heidi Lao actually has opened its shop, uh, reopened most of its shop, you know, in May, April, but the queuing index uh, has not yet recovered. That's a general observation is that uh, local business, as we can see, employers are hiring to, hiring, are expecting a normal business, a normal recovery. However, if we see the demand side, if we see the consumer behavior side, it's not yet uh, recovered. It may not back to the normal level. Again, you know, this is just another kind of data point for the hypothesis that we found, right? One, hotels are heavily impacted by the outbreak. You know, other other business are reopening. We can see that, you know, they are back to 70% or 80% level, but, you know, we are expecting, you know, the, on the demand side, we are yet, we have yet to see a back to normal uh, recoveries. We believe that there may be a structural change, one on the supply side. Uh, only 70 to 80% of the uh, stores across different categories would survive, have survived the outbreak, right? And uh, demand side, uh, people's behavior have permanently changed. So how that will impact uh, the offline business, how that will, will shape the physical world uh, has yet not yet to be seen uh, because uh, the recovery of uh, consumers' confidence and consumers' activity have uh, been slower and the uh, supply side. Uh, so our, our data will actually continue to track. Awesome, Mu. Thank you for the presentation and for staying so on point. I want to ask you to give a little bit more background about your firm. How is it doing amidst the pandemic? And what do you think that reflects? What is demand like for data from China? Basically, how's your business going? Sure. In the last Six months. Our business actually has doubled from last year. We are expected to basically triple or more um, by the end of this year. Internally, we have not actively go out and uh, you know kind of grow our business. Just a lot of inbound inquiries and inbound demand. Since end of January, we are seeing many you know uh, inbound demands, and every week, every day. We just sit there and there's, you know, an investor coming to us and asking us for data. Until now, still, uh, we have like two or three inbound inquiry yesterday from major internet companies and, and, and investment funds. We believe that this is another structural change on the, our clients, uh, community, on the research community is, which is that, you know, people 
are forced to adopt a more digitalized way to uh, running research. Basically, they are sitting at home. They cannot go out to do real research to run, you know, surveys to count, you know, cars at Walmart. So uh, they are forced to figure out how do I run research, right? So basically through us, they can get different information digitally. So investors, our clients, are thinking about how do I upgrade my whole research methodology and research team's framework to a more digitalized way. And we are observing that many leading institutional investors, many leading uh, internet companies are building what we call a research 2.0, where there's a systematic approach to research rather than a very conventional you know, desktop research. They are building a system internally to collect data, to collect news, to record the expert calls, and uh, put them together uh, into a system, record them, and, and try to synthesize the information right, more systematically rather than relying on manual, you know, PowerPoint making, Excel making. Uh, every, everything is being automated and everything is being digitalized. So it's actually really um, beneficial for us. All right, that was the end of our session with Mu Chen. What did you think about what he had to say? Send us your feedback. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to write us that review for your free Extra Buzz subscription. Have any questions or suggestions? Email us. We really enjoyed putting this together as always, and we're always open to any comments or suggestions. You can find us on Twitter at ThePanDaily, at TechBuzzChina, and my personal Twitter account is now spelled Y-I-N-G-L-U-2020. And my Twitter is spelled R-U-I-M-A. TechBuzzChina by PanDaily is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network on SubChina. Pandaily.com is an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Cai Wei Chen and Kaiser Guo. Thank you for listening.